1: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. I've
2: been
3: looking very closely at the property market in Wilmington, Delaware. It's not somewhere I would myself prefer to live. In fact, not many people do prefer to live there, least of all the people who actually have to live there. But it is the site of a house in which the landlord is charging $50,000 a month in rent to his own son. Now, I can tell you with a degree of expertise that the average rent for a house that size in Wilmington, Delaware, is $2,200 per month. And yet, that tenant is getting 50000 from his own son. How does that Work. Well, first you need to know that the tenant is the ever-so-reliable cove Hunter Biden, he of the laptop, he of the garage, where highly secret, utterly confidential, and very, very explosive documents about Ukraine and, interestingly, about the UK. Maybe they were just going through it alphabetically, but papers on the UK and on Ukraine were carefully stashed under the careful stewardship of a crackhead discharged from the American military for dishonourable conduct. A man who filmed himself quarrelling about a gram or two of crack cocaine on which he had been short-changed before cavorting with a very, very young prostitute, all on his own camera all on his own uh, laptop. Of course, he's just the man to leave in charge of top-secret American military, political and diplomatic documents. But what if it wasn't really a rent? I'm the father of six children. I can't imagine me charging any of my children to live in my house, and if I did, I might charge them an amount to cover the mortgage, but Joe Biden doesn't have a mortgage. I might charge them the amount that it might cost to heat and and uh, and have running water and so on in the premises, but $50,000 a month sounds a bit like money laundering to me and to many others in the US Congress, but not yet in the FBI. What if it wasn't really $50,000 worth of rent, but a passing on to, I don't know, the big guy, whoever he is, of a payment on a business deal, possibly a corrupt business deal. Well, a clue can be found in the fact that precisely $50,000 a month was being paid to Hunter Biden from a foreign commercial entity based in Sweden. So every month, Hunter Biden got $50,000 and paid his father $50,000 in rent for a three bedroom house in Wilmington, Delaware. Now, you'd think the FBI would be interested in that. Interested enough to perhaps, I don't know, raid the house. Perhaps interested enough not to allow Biden's own lawyers to do the searching and bring the documents or some of the documents, into the FBI. You'd think the FBI might turn up with a camera crew, you know, like they did in Mar-a-Lago, in Miami, in Florida, at the house of President Donald Trump. You'd think the FBI would be in there fingering the underwear drawer of Hunter Biden, of Joe Biden, but then, when you think of it, their underwear is not so fragrant as Melania Trump's is likely, I don't know, but likely to be. You'd think the FBI would now be bringing up charges against Hunter Biden, at least, but against Joe Biden, who says he inadvertently misplaced those documents. As Edward Snowden said, I wish I'd thought of that explanation. It is prima facie, a breach of the Espionage Act of 1912, self-admitted. When you have top-secret documents, you're not allowed to inadvertently misplace them. And it turns out he shouldn't even have had the documents in the first place. They were not his documents, but Barack Obama's documents. He was only the vice president. But here's the clue. He was the vice president, with responsibility for Ukraine. The very Ukraine where Hunter Biden was being paid $100,000 a month to sit on the board of an oil and gas company, even though the only thing he knew about gas was how to pump it into that pretty little silver corvette behind which these top secret documents were being stashed. Are you smelling a rat yet? a big giant rat, but in fact there's two of them. The first is the act of inadvertently misplacing top secret documents you should never have had in Hunter Biden's garage, who can't look after his own laptop with all the incriminating material that was on it. But there's a second rat. Why now? Why are we being told about this now? First of all, the FBI had this knowledge 10 days before the midterm elections in November, which were dominated in part by Donald Trump's inadvertent misplacing of top-secret documents in locked cabinets inside his own residence. But why now, in another sense, who has brought these documents to our attention. Who tipped off the FBI about the existence of these documents, the whereabouts of these documents? Is someone determined that Joe Biden has now served his purpose and should be shuffled, shuffled being the operative word, off the political stage, bringing to power President Kamala Harris? God save us. Well, Here's another interesting factoid. If Joe Biden had resigned last month, Kamala Harris would have taken over as president, but would only have been able to serve one further term as president of the republic. If he resigns next month, Kamala Harris can serve out the rest of his term and then go for two full presidential terms. Good timing, huh? It looks that way to me. Now, if the big guy, whoever he is, was due 10% of a payment from a foreign entity, in this case, an entity with the word China in its title, though I have no idea whether it's a Chinese company, that would have been a matter of great import, might even have been a barrier to Biden becoming president in the first place. But it would certainly, wouldn't it, be a barrier if he didn't declare the income, the 10%, if he was indeed the big guy, was getting from this foreign entity, even though he would be debarred constitutionally from receiving payments from a foreign entity. But it turns out that Joe Biden didn't even declare the $50,000 a month rent He was charging his own son, Hunter, never mind any 10% he was receiving from foreign entities. Enough on the Biden crime family. We'll be talking to real experts about that in the course of the show. Let me turn to Davos. The private jets arrived in their hundreds. 55 heads of state and senior cabinet ministers arrived In the Swiss Alps, for Davos, Britain was strongly represented by Sir Anthony Blair and Lord Peter Mandelson. That was the dead strength of the British representation at the conference. Mind you, they were busy enough, both of them meeting heads of state. I don't know how that works. How has the president of the Philippines ever heard of Peter Mandelson? Why did the president of the Philippines sit down with Sir Tony Blair? What could possibly go wrong? And what happens next, perhaps we'll find in the ruins of the next financial year. But 55 heads of government and senior cabinet ministers and 600 CEOs of powerful international companies and the head of the FBI, and the deputy head of the CIA. What are they doing at Davos? But they're there. What good can come of their presence there? They got out of their private jets, into their escalades, and burned up the rubber and the track to get to Davos to tell us all to fly less and drive less and drive smaller performance cars. Leave out this diesel Go electric, everyone, as they quaffed their magnums of crystal. What were they talking about? Well, so far, it seems that living in their heads, this time rent-free, is the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Some very stupid things have been said at Davos about the war in the Ukraine. They keep saying that Ukraine must win even though any fool knoweth that Ukraine is now losing heavily, losing hundreds of thousands of men, dead and wounded, maimed, injured, beyond repair. They know that the Russian armed forces recently reinforced and now 600,000 strong on a line stretching almost between the Black Sea and the Baltic are ready to move forward, already are moving forward, are in the center of Mariinka tonight, are threatening Bakhmut, having just taken Solidar, the city of Salt. They know that the Russians are overwhelmingly winning this war, but they continue to say Russia will not be allowed to win it. So what does that mean? Does that mean that once they fought to the last Ukrainian that NATO is going to enter the conflict itself? Ponder that for a moment as I've just been discussing on the glorious Kim Iverson show in the United States. Just as Mussolini went around the world threatening people with Hitler's army, so these NATO leaders at Davos are really threatening Russia with America's army because I don't like to insult countries like the Netherlands. My own wife was born there, but trust me, the Netherlands ain't going to fight the Russian army. The Russian army that crushed Germany into ruin and ash in the center of Berlin and planted their flag. The Netherlands ain't going to fight them. Neither is Austria. Neither is France. Neither is Britain in any meaningful way. Sure, our soldiers would go there. They'd be the first there, actually. And they'd fight bravely, no doubt. But the entire strength of the British Armed Forces, Air Force, Navy, and Land Army would comfortably fit into the Manchester United ground in which I sit every other Saturday. The Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, Greece are not going to fight Russia. Turkey is definitely not going to fight Russia. In fact, they'll be on Russia's side. So, what does all this mean? It means that these people are threatening Russia with America's army. So, those of you watching in the United States have a big decision to make. It's this Are you ready? to send your sons and daughters to die in the frozen wastes of Eastern Europe for the fate of cities you can't pronounce, can't spell, and had never heard of before. As I keep saying, how much does it matter to you on which side of a border lies Kupiansk, when it's been in four different countries in the last 100 years? Years, but worse, much worse than that. Because if the American army fights the Russian army in Ukraine, that can only lead to one outcome, nuclear war. Think about it. If the American army began to prevail and advance towards the Russian border with its avowed intention of dismembering Russia, breaking it, balkanizing it, and taking it over for corporate America, Russia would have to use its nuclear weapons. Ditto if the Russian army began to defeat the American army on the ground in Ukraine. America would have to use its nuclear weapons. Otherwise, Russia might roll all the way to Paris. They'd be unwise to come to London in the midst of our crime wave. Who would want to rule London? Certainly not the current mayor who's more interested in other things that we'll come to in a minute. The use of first battlefield, then intermediate, and then in the ultimate nightmare, intercontinental ballistic missiles of which Russia's are far better than the nuclear weapons of NATO, acknowledged by all experts, would literally end all life on this planet. And I don't even mean all human life. I mean all life. Even the fabled cockroaches could not survive the blasts, the radiation, and the nuclear winter that would ensue. So think about it. When you see this dancing girl this dancing queen, this disco queen, Prime Minister of Finland, a fly buzzing around the Russian bear, warning, threatening, pointing her finger, clenching her fist, and dis- de- declaring in her hipster way Vladimir Putin is so over. What they're really saying is that you Americans will be required to ensure he's so over because we in Finland couldn't fight our way out of a wet paper bag. And in any case, like all the other NATO countries, Finland merely a candidate at this point, but effectively a NATO outpost now, you've given away all your ammunition. You've given away All your weapons, quite apart from the lack of fighting spirit, quite apart from the lack of numbers, you don't have the wherewithal to fight a war with Russia. If Russia wanted to, it could conquer Berlin. Who's going to stop it? And that brings me to my last point. The Germans have decided to send their tanks to fight Russia. Take a second to let that sink in. Leopard tanks with German insignia upon them are being given to Ukraine to fight Russians. And if they cross the lines of Lugansk and the Donbass, they'll be on Russian territory. German tanks on Russian territory. You need to vote in our poll. 16-year-olds should be legally able to change gender by self-declaring. This is a raging controversy in Britain, but not only in Britain. A, agree. B, disagree. At the moment, on the Twitter, it's agree 18%, disagree 82%. On YouTube, it's agree 9%, disagree 91%. On Telegram, it's agree 3% and disagree 97%. And on the YouTube community poll, it's agree 4%, disagree 96%. Thousands of people have voted already. You can get your vote in by the end of the show. Now I have the great honour in life uh, of uh, knowing that I am a personal friend of Julian Assange, the world historic political prisoner languishing in a dirty dungeon in southeast London, in uh, Belmarsh Jail, in as harsh a prison regime as it's possible to imagine in 2023 in Britain, surrounded by terrorists and head chopping, throat cutting, Islamist fanatics, child killers, and foul murderers of. All kinds. And there sits this gentle journalist, Julian Assange, convicted of nothing, held in Belmarsh on an extradition matter. And of course, we're now reaching the witching hour in the case of Julian Assange. My first guest, Kevin Gostola, has just written a book, a very fine book, about the case of Julian Assange, a clear political, trial, case, procedure. Julian has committed no crime except telling the truth. And Kevin has told the truth about Julian so brilliantly in this book. We had to have him on. He's the author and co-host... He's the author of Guilty of Journalism, the political case against Julian Assange, and co-host of Unauthorised Disclosure and curator of the dissenter newsletter. Kevin, thank you for uh, joining us. Let's start with uh, Julian and your, uh, your book. Uh, when did you decide to write it? How long did it take? And give us the uh, essentials of the case you're making.
4: Yeah, the book is a long-term project. It goes back to the reporting that I did in 2012 and 2013 on Chelsea Manning, who you might recall is the whistleblower who provided the documents to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks that were published, for which he's been criminalized for sharing this information with the world. And uh, it it contains uh, reporting that I did on U.S. whistleblowers, like CIA whistleblower John Kiriakou, Edward Snowden, um, uh, Jeffrey Sterling, a CIA whistleblower, uh, Daniel Hale, a drone whistleblower who right now is being held in a U.S. prison in conditions that are typically uh, for terrorists. So much like Julian Assange being in the Belmarsh high security prison, we have a drone whistleblower here in the United States who is getting this communications management unit treatment that perhaps julian assange will be subjected to if he were detained or imprisoned here in the united states uh so uh, i i started this uh this is a culmination of a lot of work but really with this looming trial which you know we have to as you said we're in the witching hour you have to admit that we're getting extremely close to that moment in which there won't be options available for assange to prevent him From being put on a plane and brought to the United States. So I wanted to make sure there was a book available here for everyone who's a U.S. citizen in particular, but I'm sure it will be beneficial to those throughout the world to read and understand what's going to happen when the U.S. prosecutors bring him into a courtroom in Alexandria, Virginia, and arraign him, and then put him through a one to two-year ordeal at least, and try to put him behind bars for a long time for sharing with us a wealth of knowledge that I think has been beneficial to many, many people. Now, uh,
3: some people will be saying to themselves, well, he'll get his day in court and we'll be able to uh, hear what he has to say, maybe even see it, but that's not true, is it?
4: Yeah, no, and in fact, that's why I wrote the book because it raises a whole range of issues which, yes, we've heard about them minimally just a, just a bit from his defense attorneys in the extradition proceedings but once he gets to a US court though they will be deemed irrelevant by prosecutors as well as a judge uh you have to understand that the US court system most of the judges are extraordinarily deferential to the US security agencies and that would include the CIA which i think has been a huge driver in bringing about the moment in which U.S. prosecutors finally charged him and uh, that I mean, we, we know that the first charge was filed in December 2017 while he was being spied upon uh, by UC Global, which was supported um, by the CIA. They had an informal or formal partnership that was ongoing in which they were able to know about the audio and video recordings that were being taken by UC Global. And so he's going to come into this courtroom. He's going to want to raise all these extra issues beyond the fact of whether he is guilty of violating the Espionage Act or not which you shouldn't even have to bother with because that is a U.S. law and Julian Assange is an Australian citizen. So why should an Australian or someone who is a foreigner have to follow a U.S. law? Why should he be criminalized? Aside from the fact that he never signed a security, uh, uh, a, a non-disclosure agreement, which you do in order to get your security clearance. So Julian Assange never had a responsibility Or, an obligation like Chelsea Manning or John Kiriakou or Jeffrey Sterling to keep information secret, he could publish. We know that under the First Amendment here in the United States, we have protections that say that you can publish information, even hacked materials, you can publish that information. And yet, Julian Assange is being punished. And in a courtroom, he'll only be able to argue that. He didn't violate the Espionage Act, which gives him a very, very narrow means for defending himself. He won't be able to say, Oh, the CIA targeted me. Oh, this is a political case. Oh, my health is deteriorating and I shouldn't have to go through this. Any of these other things that we have heard and uh, seen addressed in the extradition case.
3: And of course, uh, this is not a case that's going to be heard in. You know, in New York or or in San Francisco, it's going to be held in Alexandria, Virginia, for a reason. It's a company town.
4: Yeah, and so he'll go through the district in which, uh, you know, over a decade ago, it, Dana Priest and William Arkin they called it "Top Secret America," and in this in this region, you have all these people who work for security contractors. They work for the CIA, the NSA. They're They have military families. They work in Washington. They could be staffers on Capitol Hill. Maybe they're lobbyists for some of these defense or security firms. Who knows? But they're going to be part of the jury pool. And if Julian Assange goes with having a jury in his U.S. trial, were he to be put on trial in the United States, they will be prejudiced already because you have to understand that While this is faded from our memory, there are still very raw emotions within these U.S. security agencies. They'll talk about this as if it was like the attack on Pearl Harbor when they had to deal with WikiLeaks documents being published. And they put together task task forces and there, there was panic. And this is the same way they feel about Edward Snowden and the disclosures that he gave us on NSA mass surveillance and how our global privacy was being systematically violated by the U.S. government and its agencies. And and so you just have to understand that there's not a lot of range available for Julian Assange to defend himself and to ensure that he will have fairness. If it's not a jury, he's going to get a U.S. judge, who I think I already made clear is going to be very deferential to these U.S. security agents who are telling these U.S. prosecutors Forget about what the risks may be to press freedom. Forget about the risks to free speech, or transparency, and, and the flow of information. We need you to exact revenge on Julian Assange to make it clear that we will not tolerate our secret documents being published by organizations like WikiLeaks.
3: Although they can sit in a garage in Wilmington, Delaware, <laughs> maybe we'll have time to say a word or two about that. Uh, But help us with this conundrum, Kevin. The New York Times, certainly, the Washington Post, presumably, uh, published the stories that Julian Assange uh, brought to us. They have a First Amendment right to publish them. No one would dream of putting the uh, editor or the chairman of these uh, powerful newspapers on trial in this case. So there would have been no story if Julian hadn't given them the story. They published the story. If it wasn't a crime to publish it, how can it be a crime to have handed over the notes on which the newspapers published the
4: story? Yeah, you make a very excellent point. And in fact, in my book, I make it clear uh, with three specific examples that there have been media organizations that are guilty of aiding and abetting this prosecution. Uh, I have an example of, of, of CNN's coverage. Uh, I have an example from The Guardian because David Lee published the password in his book that allowed for those U.S. state embassy cables to now be out in the wild, putting all kinds of people at risk, human rights activists, um, informants, uh, people who the U.S. State Department claimed were vulnerable. That was because of David Lee, who was an ex- an, an editor for The Guardian. Uh, so I have those examples. But more broadly, uh, there is a way, there's a language in which the New York Times speaks about Julian Assange and how they collaborated with Julian Assange that makes him vulnerable, makes it easier for U.S. prosecutors to target him. They say he's a source because he shared documents with them. But that is a very uh, stupid way of talking about Julian Assange because it's not reasonable. He is not the originator of the documents. Chelsea Manning is the source. Chelsea Manning had the documents as a U.S. military intelligence analyst, submitted them through the WikiLeaks portal to Assange, and WikiLeaks anonymously. And then they went through and authenticated those documents. And then they partnered with media organizations and chose to work with the New York Times, The Guardian, and Der Spiegel initially on those war log documents. And then they had many more organizations that they worked, through, worked with on the state embassy cables. Now, the New York Times doesn't want to be held liable. They're too afraid of the U.S. government, that they're going to come for them and try to pursue them for holding the warfare state of the United States accountable. And so they say, Julian Assange is not a partner. He is our source. So we do not have to treat him as an equal. And then what they do is they make it very easy for the CIA to target Julian Assange, to treat them as not a journalistic organization. They make it easy for the Justice Department to turn around almost a decade later and issue these charges. And so where we're at, is partly the responsibility of the US press that has us talking about Julian Assange as something that he is not. Because he very clearly is a journalist, no matter what you want to say about how you dislike his work and the way he opposed US empire.
3: Now, um, there's another issue here. Call me naive. I could see what was in it for someone like Pompeo to be literally planning to murder Julian on the streets of London, outside Harrods. He, they had drawings, they had uh, blueprints for the murder of Julian Assange in London. I could see why someone, some twisted warmonger like Pompeo would have that kind of mindset. What I'm wondering is, What's in it for Joe Biden? What's in it for the Democrats? Haven't they got enough trouble without putting Julian Assange on trial?
4: The problem, though, is that there isn't any risk politically to Joe Biden if he advances this case. There aren't any voices in the Congress who really care that Joe Biden is pursuing uh, a case that he inherited from President Donald Trump. There isn't anyone saying, oh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, you're different from Bill Barr. You're different from Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who had this deep hatred for leaks that motivated him to not only reopen the case against Julian Assange, but go after leakers at a rate far higher than what we saw under President Barack Obama, which is impressive because he actually had the Uh, distinguished honor of being someone who prosecuted more people with the Espionage Act than all previous presidential administrations combined. Um, And so, you know, the the, the fact is that Joe Biden has nobody in the establishment telling him that this is going to cost you if you prosecute Julian Assange. I mean, until there is some kind of a political risk to him, he's going to stay focused on these other things that you know, are are far more in his peripheral vision, like uh, what you just said about the classified documents that were found, uh, and uh, the other investigations that Republicans are talking about, many of them that don't have a lot of merit, in my view, but they're important because they are, uh, they have a scandalous tinge to them that means that you must pay them some kind of an attention, you have to deal with a divided Congress. And so, what the security state apparatus of the US wants to do in bringing Assange to trial in their act of revenge, uh, he's not going to stop it because to make them angry is far more of a problem for Joe Biden than it is to take a stand and protect the First Amendment and press freedom principles.
3: Well explained, Kevin. Where can people get your
4: book? Uh, the book is available from Seven Stories Press. You can find it online. You can get it wherever books are sold. It's available for pre-order right now. Um, you can also find a way to get copies by being a subscriber of my newsletter, which is free at thedissentor.org. Thanks very much for joining us. Very good Kevin Gostola. You. Thank you.
3: Author of the great new book on my friend Julian Assange. Now, the uh, poll that I told you about is actually racking up record numbers, which is a black eye for me because I argued against it earlier today, thinking that the non-Scottish audience wouldn't be all that interested. The proximate reason for the poll is this. We have a government, so-called, in Scotland, in the devolved administration, which is made up of Scottish nationalists and Green Party members and they've run into very, very deep political mud over not independence, not climate issues, but the absolute infatuation that these two parties have with issues of sex, of gender, and of other people's children the latter being particularly surprising because virtually none of the leaders of the government have got any children, but they're mighty interested in other people's children. The Green Party announced this week the Dundee-based Green Party member of the Scottish Parliament argued that children as young as eight years old already know whether they want to be a boy or a girl and their decision decision at eight has to be respected and we should support them to begin the process of transition. I'm not making any of this up. And the government itself has already passed legislation which says that at the age of 60 when you're too young to smoke, too young to drink, too young to buy a lottery ticket, you can merely by self-declaring change your gender. And of course, it's mainly men self-declaring themselves as women. And when they commit crimes, ending up in women's prisons, where some of them have raped actual women inmates and sexually assaulted women prison officers. They can decide to enter women's sports and win all the prizes because they're really men that have merely self-declared that they are women. They can enter the women's changing room at Primark or any of the department stores. They can change in the girls' changing room at the swimming pool, waving their dicks around in front of little girls who should be protected from this kind of indecent exposure. And, of course, it will be a crime to speak out against it. If I were in Scotland right now, Arguably, I just committed a hate crime by making plain my absolute rejection of the idea that a man becomes a woman merely by a self-declaration. That's a hate crime in Scotland. And the Scottish law might become the British law. Why? Because, sir, Keir Starmer, the misleader of the so-called Labour Party, is pledged to introduce exactly the Scottish law in England and Wales on a UK basis. That's why it's important across Britain, but you might think that it's important also across the world because haven't we gone... Too far with all of this? I wish no harm on any trans person. If they want me to kiss them rather than shake their hands, I'll gladly do it and have done it. If they want me to call them Julian rather than Julian, I'll gladly do it and have done. If they want me to treat them as if they were a woman, I'll gladly do it, but that doesn't mean they are a woman, especially as all of this implies taking rights away from actual women, taking the right of women to compete in sports against other women, taking away women's rights to privacy from the opposite sex. Are you even allowed to say opposite sex anymore? There's 99 genders after all, according to these people. So that's what the poll's about. 16-year-olds should be legally able to change gender by self-declaring. You can vote on my Twitter, as thousands have. 17% agree that you should legally be able to do so. 83% disagreeing on YouTube, and please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Still half of our audience has not subscribed. Please, just click, cost you nothing, but helps us a lot, please. I need to get to a quarter of a million subscribers. PDQ, please do it tonight. And tick that you liked the video. That will also help us with the algorithm. On YouTube, it's 9% agree. That's half of the Twitter number, which is interesting. 91% disagree. On Telegram, always the most perspicacious of the platforms, only 3% agree, 97% disagreeing. And the YouTube community channel is 4% agree, 96% disagree. 5,000 people have voted on that platform getting on for 10,000 people, have voted already. Well, 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 there's lots of calls backing up. Uh, I don't know if they're for me or against me. I spoke my mind whether or not Nicola Sturgeon thinks it's a hate crime. Lamine is in London on the
5: transgender issue. Go ahead, Lamine. I've got two points to address, if, if I may. Go on, yeah. One of it is, I just read an article in the BBC, absolutely disgusting. It says, Ukraine's interior ministry leadership killed in a helicopter crash. And then when you read through, it says, there is no indication the crash was anything other than an accident. How can you write something of such? So they blame in the Russians. And when you read through it, which most people would not go through it, it's just hypocrisy. The second point is, I'll be very quick. Nicola Sergent, she wants absolutely disgusting trans people to change their legally recognised sex. And although she's fighting on young people to recognise themselves of such a sex or to belong to something, they don't even know what they know. they they absolutely young. Let them live their life. Let them enjoy. Let them grow. Let them know. Let them, let them exploit. Let them explore the world instead of just making them I, I don't understand this. George, I'll leave you to it. Please explain.
3: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I could explain, Lamin. It's perhaps an issue of my age and class, but I literally can't explain it. I don't know why this phenomenon, which, uh, according to the census, involves 0.5% of the British population, has come to so dominate public policy that uh, hospitals... And schools have entirely changed their nomenclature, their vocabulary, uh, that uh, labour wards are no longer for birthing mothers. Uh, People who menstruate has become the phrase of the day. Uh, Leading politicians uh, will refuse to answer a question on television uh, of whether a man can have a cervix Uh, And so on. Uh, It is literally beyond me. Uh, And I think I'm uh, too old to uh, understand it. Uh, It's the only explanation I can give. And as I've said, and I mean it, I, I have nothing, nothing, nothing against trans people. I believe in treating people as they want to be treated, referring to people as they want to be referred to. But you don't become... One thing rather than another merely by declaring yourself so and then taking away rights from the gender that you have now decided that you are part of. That cannot be right. I know that it cannot be right. How it has become so dominant that all the political parties of the state, all of them, even the Conservatives, even the once blue-collar Labour Party, have all bought into this. I saw a guy called Richard Leonard, a former trade union official, a former comrade of mine, going literally bananas on television because the British government has stepped in and tried to put a stop to this Scottish nationalist Green Coalition madness. I don't know how that happened. No one's ever satisfactorily explained it to me how that happened after all there's nothing else and I mean nothing else that would change public policy that was an issue for 0.5 percent of the population nothing I mean if 0.5 of the population wanted any other thing any other thing that I promise you would not become law but It's not trans people that are driving this. It's people that want to identify as supporters, super supporters uh, of uh, trans people. Now lastly, before the break, it wasn't just the interior minister that was killed in the Ukrainian helicopter crash today. It was also his deputy. And it was also the Secretary of State of Ukraine this comes a day after Zelensky fired his right-hand man and on the day that criminal charges were filed against Arrestovich for effectively treason. What was his crime? He made the mistake of telling the truth on television that the missile that struck the apartment block in Kiev was not a Russian missile. It was, yet again, another misfiring Ukrainian anti-aircraft missile, the same kind of missile that ended up in Poland killing two Polish people, which they originally tried to blame on the Russians. So for the crime of telling the truth, Arestovich was arrested And for some weird coincidental reason, the entire interior ministry leadership was wiped out in a helicopter crash. Now, you may believe that all of that was a coincidence. In which case, I have a bridge in London that I could sell to you going cheap, cheap, cheap. Terry Rainford is on the line and wants to talk about hunter biden i'm always up for that go on terry
6: hi george great
3: to speak to you again
6: Uh, i think you mentioned this in the beginning of the show but uh, i wanted to speak about hunter biden and uh, because he's rented his father's house uh, isn't he in possession of classified documents
3: Well, that's a good point, and I I made it uh, tangentially in the earlier interview. Uh, Why aren't the FBI uh, questioning him? Because he was in possession of a laptop, uh, crack cocaine, uh, hookers by the score, and a pile of uh, top-secret American military, political and diplomatic documents. Now, he would no doubt blame uh, the big guy who left them there, uh, that's his father, Joe Biden, from the time that he was vice president. There's a clear crime here. Why haven't charges been brought forth?
6: I think it's to do with of trading as well. I think if you have that knowledge, you can make money out of that by depending on what uh, arms deals are being done, what kind of trade's being done. Um, and um, I think that's what's at the root of it. What
3: do you think? Uh, Well, absolutely. Uh, Of course, virtually every member of Congress is playing the stock market. Uh, Some of them uh, massively profitably, like the husband of Nancy Pelosi, although his wife never told him any secrets that would help him get ahead of the curve in (laughs) the stock market game. I'm sure Uh, some of them took money off this uh, criminal enterprise that's just gone burst. Uh, But only 19 of them have agreed to return the money out of 256 who got money that was stolen from investors who thought they were buying Bitcoin, but actually were only buying a piece of paper uh, that would one day maybe allow them to buy a Bitcoin. I could go on on this subject, but uh, I think the point you're trying to make, and I'm agreeing with you entirely is that there's two countries in the documents which we haven't been shown. Although we were shown Trump's documents, we haven't been shown the Biden documents. But there's two countries in the Biden garage in Wilmington, Delaware. Files pertaining to two countries. One of those countries was the UK. And I'm sure you, like me, would like to know what was in Biden's top secret documents about the UK. But much more tantalizingly, the other country also started with a U. It was Ukraine. And you don't have to be Einstein to work out that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have got a lot of secrets to hide about Ukraine. That's why those papers were outside of the White House. That's why they were in Joe Biden's garage because in those documents may very well lie the answer to why this obsession with Ukraine on the part of the Biden crime family has taken us all to the verge of world war. Thanks, Terry. Some YouTube comments now because we get so many of them. It's not fair not to read any of them out. Stuart Wheeler says $50,000 in rent and he didn't get use of the garage because it was full of the landlord's stuff. Stuart, that is the tweet of the night even though it isn't a tweet. Uh, Let's see what else there is on. uh, Jeanette Massiello says, I read that Joe Biden never declared that 50 grand a month. Well, I'm sure that he didn't declare it, Jeanette. But here's a question for you. How come no American mainstream journalist knew that Hunter Biden was paying his father 50,000 a month in rent for a three bedroom house in Wilmington, Delaware and how come no MSM journalist knew that the same Hunter Biden was receiving every month exactly the same sum from a foreign company based in Sweden. Did no journalists know that? If they knew either of these two pieces of information, did they not put them together? If they did not know, why not? What are they doing on the hill? What are these journalists doing? Is it not ABC to keep track of the income and expenditure of top Political figures in America—it sure is here. I can assure you, if my son was paying me fifty thousand a month to rent my house, people would immediately ask, "What kind of house costs fifty grand to rent per month?" And why is he charging his own son fifty grand? And where is his son getting that? 50 grand and is this really rent or is this money laundering that's what would happen here wouldn't it or at least in my day that's what journalists would be all over how come no journalists in washington were over this story big g haywood well done g hey wilmington isn't a bad town it's basically a suburb of philadelphia really My apologies to the good people of Wilmington. I didn't mean to paint it as a hell hole, although being a suburb of Philadelphia might well be described as at least hell's waiting room, but beautiful as it may well be, Big Geordie, it's not 50 grand a month for a three-bedroom house there. It's two grand a month. I've got the voluminous
1: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
3: The happy little fox, a.k.a. Benji, says Stalin in 1941, I will stay in Moscow to encourage people to defend the city. Zelensky 2022, I will not allow civilians to leave Kiev because I need them as human shields. Jim is online in Ecuador. Don't say we don't cater to all corners of the world. Jim in Ecuador. Go ahead, sir.
7: We discussed or I I called a few weeks ago, I think around three weeks ago about the OSCE reports on uh monitoring uh airstrikes and explosions in the ukraine uh i yeah. don't know if you recall in any event i recall was, i recall vividly well that's fine um whoever whether it's a bar fight or a war whoever starts it is always the legal cornerstone of what you know follows and as we discussed uh, the last time, uh, the OSCE reports show that, like for example, normal activity on February 14, 2022, there were 41 explosions on the 16th or, or, or on the 15th, 76, and on the 16th, uh, 316. My point is, without going through all of them, is. That accelerated to 2,026 explosions on the 20th, another 1,481. My point is, it's clear, based on these neutral figures, as the OSCE is, that Russia responded, that there was a full-scale war going on, that Western Ukraine had started a war uh, on the Donbass, and given that, all of the, the way this war is, go, is framed by the media, uh, the, the phrase unprovoked uh, invasion is critical uh, to their propaganda, because in the absence of that, again, whoever started it is legally guilty. So I just think that that's worth reemphasizing. That's why. I well,
3: you've re emphasized it uh, very powerfully, and I want to reinforce it. The problem is, these were the wrong type of Ukrainians that were being bombed uh, in all those years since 2014. The blood of some Ukrainians is worth more than the blood of others, evidently, because the Western Ukrainians were massacring thousands of people in Eastern Ukraine and nobody even reported it. And they were massacring them with weapons given to them by NATO countries. The soldiers doing the massacring were being increasingly trained by and sometimes in the NATO countries. The status of Ukraine during all those years that they were massacring their own people was of effective candidate membership of NATO. But nobody wants to know or acknowledge these facts. And they're not your propaganda in Ecuador or mine. These are the facts of the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, the OSCE, a neutral organization. Actually, because they then pulled out, you could say, a a NATO organisation. But they had a duty to record all these explosions, missile strikes, artillery bombardments, and they did. And they're there in black and white. It's not propaganda. It's there in black and white. But the people they were killing were Eastern Ukrainians, Russian-speaking Ukrainians. And then people wonder why the people in eastern Ukraine don't want to live under Kiev. Who would want to live under a government that spent eight years massacring them, including hundreds of small children? It makes me sick, Jim, as evidently it makes you Our advertised guest, Laurie Spencer, the independent journalist, author and radio personality. I do hope she's okay. She had tweeted that she was very much looking forward to this interview and I was looking forward to meeting her. Uh, So I hope uh, that uh, she's fine and okay and maybe just cut off uh, the phone or something like that. But it's crazy in another way. We've actually got more calls tonight, on a Wednesday night, than we have ever had. And that's just as well because we're going to have to take calls for the rest of the show. And thirdly, it's crazy because the poll I didn't want and said would be a flop is turning out to be one of the biggest polls that we've ever had. Uh, We've just heard from Laurie. She's had a power cut in Oklahoma caused by a huge storm there right now. No power, no lights. She apologizes. My, my apology, uh, Laurie, and I'm very sorry indeed for your troubles. We'll have you on another night. Attila is in California. Wants to talk about the trans bill in
2: Little Scotland. Go ahead, Attila. How you doing, George? Well, it's a, it's about, to, it's, this is what this is about. It's about um, people who become a different gender competing against each other. And I think I got a pretty good little solution to this. We're going to take a little page out of the old American drag racing. We're going to have the, like in the Olympics, what we have now, that's the stock class girls, you know, men, women, drug testing, just like it is now. Then we have modified production. Anyone that has transgender operation declared themselves, they compete together in modified production. And this way, it solves the thing about them uh, going against uh, women, men, whatever. And then the big one run what you brung. You show up, no rules, no drug testing. You show up and you compete.
3: The wisdom of Solomon. You have solved it. Thanks very much for that brilliant call. Raphael is in Vermont on NATO. Go ahead, Raphael.
2: Hey, Georgie, I have something like. This morning, didn't anybody understand the speech of Lavo? Probably this is one of the darkest speech somebody can ever give. This man brought something. He brought the final solution. And I don't think people in the world understand. And those people in NATO, I heard that lady today giving a press conference, and they asked her, like, and then she said, like, they said, "Why do you think Putin will not use the nuclear weapon? And she said "She said that because the Chinese told us, they told Putin. Now, can you imagine that? The Chinese told us? So we have been policy on what the Chinese told us. They will tell the Russians. I, 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 what am I? I'm not, I'm not college graduate. I'm not super educated, but somebody like you. What am I missing? What, what do those people hear? I'm not hearing. Thank you. Well, uh, as
3: for super educated, at the age of 16, I was making tires for Michelin. Uh, so I'm not super educated either, but I'm not stupid. And I know that Finland is threatening Russia with America's army, America's men and women, and materiel, its blood and treasure. If you are ready to be used to threaten other countries, then go right ahead. If the children of Vermont, of Los Angeles, of Arkansas, want to die in the frozen wastes of Ukraine, go right ahead. But I'm telling you, don't imagine for a minute that that war will remain a conventional war. It's so obvious to me, I feel like screaming it. It cannot remain a conventional war because one side or the other is going to win it and the other lose it. And the loser is in possession of thousands of nuclear weapons. So it will not allow itself to be lo- to lose. It's obvious. If America is lucky then the weapons will all be used in Europe and all the Europeans will be wiped out. You can fight to the last European. But what if you're not lucky? What if that European nuclear war, which of course will cross the ocean in the fish, will cross the ocean in the air, Across the ocean in the rain, and of course, you'll never see a European or a European thing ever again. If you're lucky, and it is only a European nuclear war, that is, but what if you're not lucky? What if the intercontinental ballistic missiles begin to fly? I'm not exaggerating this, I'm talking about the end of all life on the planet that God gave us, this beautiful globe that God gave us that looks so fabulous from up there. No more over Zelensky, over Kupiansk, seriously. Now there's loads of YouTube comments coming in, thanks again. Mourns lad says, this transgender madness of Sturgeon and her government could be her downfall. I can see why they would want independence, but not when it's to submit to Brussels rule instead. Indeed so. Monkey Boy says, British tanks today, British troops in body bags tomorrow. And Morpheus X, oh by the way, I'm speaking at the Oxford Union next month. Me, from Michelin Tyres, I'm debating at the Oxford Union next month with the Secretary of State for Defence, Ben Wallace, and the head of the British Army. Isn't that going to be a debate worth watching? (laughs) Ha-ha! And it'll all be televised on the Oxford Union's television station. It's going to be the mother of all debates. I'm telling you it now because I don't want Ben Wallace and the head of the British Army to turn and run when they see my name on the order paper. I don't want them to be cowards. Come on, Ben, you're the man that gloried in the charge of the Light Brigade. I'll tell you what, your regiment's charge into the guns at the Light Brigade has got nothing on what you are going to face from me on the floor of the Oxford Union. Next month, better prepare yourself, Benji. Better bring your armour plating, Benji. Morpheus X says, America is ready because war to them is just a video game like Risk or some of those first-person shooter games. But GG, you should also have asked the British since Britain is a big part of this also. (laughs) As always, Britain is part of the forked tongue. Britain wants to be the American president's brain which is otherwise missing. Britain, just like it did in Yugoslavia and in Iraq, both times in 1990 and in 2003 and in Libya, Britain is trying to drive the Americans into war. Americans are being driven into war By perfidious Albion, wake up for God's sake. The vanguards of manhood says Holyrood needs George. This man destroyed Sturgeon on the Hustings during the Brexit campaign and would do the same in the Scottish Parliament. Can you go back to big George Haywood? Because I missed him there. Uh, The US doesn't have the industrial base either to challenge Russia or China. It had to retool its industry just to fight World War II. And that was back when the US still had some industry. Brilliant, George. The vanguards of manhood, I've already read. Thank you for your kind thoughts. But if you like me, don't send me to Holyrood. Uh, Bonkers Beast says the Australian PM promised to help Julian, but yet another politician lies. Go figure. Let's not write it off. It is a possibility that the Australian Prime Minister will pull something out of the hat, but he hasn't done it yet. Malin A says, Bravo, Kevin, young guy who knows a lot and cares what's going on. We should all support and be proud of people like Kevin Gostola and alike. Thank you, George, for giving good people a platform. Thank you. Back to the lines. Ian is in London, in Hounslow, on the trans bill. Go ahead, Ian. Hello, George.
6: Yes, I've, I've been watching you uh, this evening. I wanted to go back to the, the trans issue, the GRA issue. Now, outside in yeah. Scotland, there was a pro-GRA pro, pro GRA sort of demo protest and they were waving waving a Unite flag. Now, I'm a Unite member. You're a Unite member. I don't remember being consulted on what side of the fence our union was standing now i've written two emails to the executive demanding an explanation and i also saw the appalling behavior of labor mps towards rosie dupfield who's putting a a perfectly reasonable set of concerns over what it means for women's rights and i wonder what you thought of it
3: i absolutely agree with you 100 percent. i didn't know that about your union and mine but i'm not surprised the unions have gone into this woke transmania uh, with all their heart and soul, as has the Labour Party, as has the Nationalist Party, and as has half the Tory party. The Tories, of course, are blocking this particular measure, but they they also refuse to define a woman as an adult human female. They're in power. And yet, all these hospitals have abolished women. All these sports have abolished women. Schools have abolished women. You're not allowed to talk about the opposite sex. You're not allowed to say that women should have their own spaces as they fought hard to have and most are determined to keep. So... It is the prevailing orthodoxy. That's the problem, Ian. Thee and me, we're outside the prevailing orthodoxy. We're the dissent, we're the dissidents. We are the samistats, imagine. And it all happened overnight without any debate, without any votes. My God, Andrew is in
0: Tennessee. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, yes, George. Uh, love your show. Um, Thank you, man. I-, I was going to ask, a while back you did um, a segment on uh, some of the 9-11 conspiracies. And, um, yes, a- a lot of shows on 9-11, that I watch, yeah. Uh, a lot of the shows that I watch, um, a- around 15 years ago, There's this woman. Her name was Rebecca Ross, and it's spelled with a K. Uh, she she kind of uh, pinpoints a lot of um, irregular uh, irregular uh, I can't say the word sorry irregular- irregularities yes um, about um, about some of the things um, she has a YouTube and um, uh, she makes very intriguing po- points about um, a lot of the The phone calls that were made from some of the victims, um, how um, there isn't any noise in the background on some of the phone calls that you would expect, you know, passengers um, screaming or um, just a lot. And then um, she wrote fictional novels that um, kind of pinpoint these things and um, how she's gone about doing it was uh, she was originally trying to figure out some Middle Eastern names to come up with for her book. And then she's like, well, I'll look up the 9-11 terrorist. Well, when she dove deep into it, she realized that a lot of these people were still alive in the Middle East, that they have actually pointed these people as still being a lot like the family members were claiming that these terrorists were not on those planes, that they were actually still alive in parts of the Middle East. And I actually... Well, I
3: don't, uh, I don't, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I don't believe that um, these uh, people on these airplanes did die. Uh, I have no doubt, personally... Uh, that these airplanes were hijacked. I have no doubt personally that involved in this conspiracy were uh, elements loyal to the worldview of and mindset of Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda and ISIS and the rest. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why I hate these organizations and that mindset with the vengeance. However, it's equally true that there are now so many unanswered questions about that day and about the period running up to that day, that a new inquiry into 9-11 simply must be held because we've been lied to. Information has been withheld from us. Not just the redacted parts of the report, but the parts that weren't even redacted, never made it to the redaction. We now know things about 9-11, just like on the JFK case. We now know things that we didn't know before, and what we know now means that the story we were told was not the whole story. And I, for one, want to hear the whole story. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Winnie the Shrew, what a wonderful name. Winnie the Shrew says, when I was eight years old, I wanted to be a T-Rex. Brilliant, Winnie. Elizabeth Robb uh, on the YouTube uh, community poll says, I was a sports-mad, flat-chested tomboy who grew into an all-female lady married with two wonderful kids. Never mistakenly thought I was a boy just to get on better with men. More in common. Brilliant, Elizabeth, brilliant. Oliver Law, O2, says, they have women with scrotums in Scotland as you could tell if they're wearing kilts. Dan Brennan says, when Liz Warren claimed to be a Native American, she was rightly condemned. Some dude claims he's a woman and we're all supposed to agree. Well said, Dan. Uzi One Millimeter says, has that anti-Brexit nutter from the end of Sunday show called back in today? Actually, he hasn't, and I was looking forward to a dust-up with him. Uh, Now, Donald is in Inverness on Assange. Go ahead, Donald.
6: Hi, George. Good to hear from you again. I'm I'm phoning about Assange, but really your audience is highly privileged to benefit from your international research. I mean, I've learned... I mean, tonight you you told us about the misfired missile and the helicopter crash. We'll never hear that on mainstream news Last time, Gonzalo Lira told us about Poland doubling his armed forces. These are very important pieces of information. But let me come to Julian Assange, because I'm absolutely incensed, as you and many others are, at at the UK's treatment. of Julian, never mind the USA, let's stick to the UK, who have him, to use your own phrase, that he's rotting in Belmarsh prison. Now, information is one thing, but what I want to do, George, is I want to raise the topic of conscience uh, because everyone's got a conscience. And in actual fact, if their conscience was not hardened and seared, as the Bible puts it, it needs to be wakened. And if their conscience was being wakened, uh, it would be a very much cheaper and effective police force uh, if people's consciences were... Uh, were were being awakened and all these people I don't know if any of these fellows listen to your show or what but uh, whoever they are they need to be they need to stop and think that they're going to have to live with what they are doing now when I say live I'm going as a Christian I'm going a bit further than this life but I want to, I want to just, elis- the point I want to make, George, which is actually quite brief, but I want to illustrate it with a, an incident that I saw in a documentary in Second World, in World War II. A, a, a U.S. soldier called Glenn Fraser had a Japanese officer's sword at his head, uh, ready to chop it off to make him an example to others. And he was told that he would die for having his hands in his pockets in the cold weather. And did he have any last words to say? So this, uh, uh, Fraser, looked the fellow, this is the Japanese officer, looked him in the eye, and he told the Japanese officer that he could kill him. But he says, you cannot kill my spirit. He says, and my spirit will lodge in your body and hunt you until the day you die. So
3: a frown came over. Very powerful. Well, and the point, but the- Very powerful, uh, Donald. Uh, I, I too, like you, uh, believe in the judgment day. I believe in the, in the afterlife. I believe that we will reap what we sow. And I agree entirely with the point you make about conscience. I put it this way, that my conscience is my daily communion with God. And if I follow my conscience... I won't do wrong. And if we all reawaken our conscience, as you beautifully put it, uh, then we will have no need for policing. We'll certainly have less need for policing, and heaven knows we could do with that. You know that they speak the best English in the world, in Inverness, and Donald is a good example of it. Lucy is in Virginia on the trans bill. Go ahead, Lucy.
8: Hi, George. And I've never done this before. So I'm a bit shy. Um, I want to thank okay, you very much take your for time. all that you do and um, for how much I learn about what's actually going on in uh, eastern Ukraine and um, with this war because our, our news over here is just, well, it isn't news. But what I called about sure. was it's the same year, Lucy. What I called about was the um, to thank you for running this poll that you ran tonight, because um, this this gender cult I um, has been so disheartening for me to learn about over the last several years, and um, the growing momentum of it, and the, just the insanity of it, and I. You know, sometimes it feels like the same people have left the building. There's no longer there's no longer same people in the world. But then you ran this poll, and, and it just gave me this huge sigh of relief. All these folks are out there who understand the difference between sex and gender and the importance of honoring sex as opposed to entertaining ideas of gender. And I believe that they don't come forward easily because um, there's all kinds of threat now about about prosecution and um, losing one's job and being thrown off of social uh, media that may have to do with the with person's business even or their or family uh, being disowned by family, and it's just silly. It's silly. Um, Jermaine Fem- uh, Greer said this, he, and I, I agree with her. Female is real, and it is sex. Femininity is unreal, and it is gender. Femininity is a it's a, it's a, a performance. There are plenty of women who do not have uh, who do not affect feminine. Uh, you know, sort of the, the sort of thing that drag queens mock. I mean. And I was shy to call you because um, over where you're at, if I say the wrong thing, I could get you, you know, jammed uh, over hate speech. Over here, it's different. We can say a lot. We just can't be heard over the din, you know. Um, but I wanted to say, I wanted to say that I came to understand more and more about this from... Helen Joyce, who is an Irish writer who wrote a book uh, recently published has caused a firestorm, but when one reads it, it shouldn't cause any firestorm at all. There's nothing hateful about it. Um, it's called Trans. And Kelly J. Keene, who's an uh, activist on behalf of women's rights, who does not call herself a feminist in any way, shape, or form, who came over here in the fall of this year, to, to give women a safe space to speak their mind. She'd, you know, get a permit to be in a park and bring a microphone and invite women to come to the park and speak their mind about how this was affecting them, this gender cult. And I was so moved to watch uh, this and also so frightened because over here um, the threats of violence were very real and i am just so thankful that you're bringing this 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 poll um, because it it shows that that the vast majority of people will st- well, maybe you know can if we all stand together will not be afraid to lose their jobs and not be afraid of being tossed off social media and so on
3: Well, look, just because of the hour, I have to stop you, though I would like to have heard more from you. Uh, It was a very uh, moving uh, telephone call from uh, Virginia in the USA, and I'm grateful, Lucy, to you for it. It's like we are recusants in the woods uh, celebrating our uh, religion. We have to go into the woods and into caves to do it. We, we are this, uh, we are this uh, island called moats uh, where we can freely speak our minds and be heard by people who want to hear uh, our point of view. Uh, because we do, fa- I, I literally, uh, I could face prosecution for hate speech, for what I've said tonight on the trans issue even though I don't have an ounce of hate in my body or my mind against trans people, or against any people for being what they are. I do hate people for what they do, but not for being who they are. The authorities would be very unwise to prosecute me because I would defend myself in the court And the court would be bigger than the room in which the trial was taking place. It would be the court of public opinion across the country, across many countries, across if I'm not being conceited, across the English speaking world would, would definitely hear what I had to say. I would speak so loud as to be heard beyond the walls of that court. So... It's unlikely that they would be foolish enough to prosecute me, but they could do so. And others lose their jobs for doing so. Others lose their livelihoods. Even J.K. Rowling, the most, the biggest selling author Britain has ever produced, Scotland has ever produced, has her name taken off the Harry Potter movie franchise, has her name taken off, has the actors in the movie that she wrote denouncing her and refusing to share a stage with her. Even someone as powerful and rich as she is threatened with no platforming and sanctioning and so on. This madness has gone far enough, has it not? Because we are the majority of that. I am absolutely certain on this. We are the majority. So how come we are being dictated to and criminalized for expressing the view of the majority in a democracy? Look, I've got no time to go... Father, though I'd like to, more than 10,000 people voted, it was overwhelmingly on my side and on Lucy in Virginia's side. That should tell you something. I don't have time for anything else but to invite you on Sunday at 7pm UK time for the mothership, for the mother of the mother of all talk shows. It will always be the most important night of the week, for me at least, and I think for many of you. Our audience of last Sunday has exploded exponentially, virally, right across the internet. Who knows, maybe tonight's
5: show will too. Good night.